Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Oh! What's going on, DMV? You know who it is. Youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham. Here with you live and local on 106.7 The Fan. And always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. Ride with me as I take you up to 945 tonight. Before we dish the rock to our coverage of Washington Wizards basketball, we get the radio party tonight. Here on 106.7 The Fan, the Wizards continuing their West Coast road trip. It's a pretty damn big game tonight. The return of Jordan Poole to the Chase Center. We'll have wall-to-wall coverage of that coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Our pal Jason Dumas, who covers the Golden State Warriors, set to join us top of the 9 o'clock hour. He will give us the latest. If you remember, when the trade went down this summer, we had Jason Dumas on the program. Him and Jordan Poole uh, have a pretty good relationship off the floor. Uh, so we'll talk to Jason about what he's hearing about Jordan Poole and how he's feeling uh, going into this big return tonight uh, against his former team, the Golden State Warriors. Steve Kerr, the head coach of your Warriors, uh, had some comments earlier this week about the eventual return uh, of Jordan Poole. We'll play that for you before we get out of here tonight as well. Christmas weekend. is that? Can we officially call it that? I know a lot of you all out there, if you're listening right now, finishing up your holiday shopping you're probably in the irresponsible category because if you're doing your shopping at this point in time, what are you doing, people? The lines are long. Metal Chris, I know you, you probably fall in that category as well. Uptown Donnie, have you done your shopping yet? I was going to – I've done my – well, not all oh, of it. but whoa. No, 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 no. I've done <laughs> most go. of it. I've done most of it, but not all of it. So I will be one of those weekend warrior shoppers. Weekend out there. warrior. Yeah, out there with the masses. So I'm not finished, but I did start at least. Have you at least started – Something like that. <laughs> Something like that, man. Look, I got a couple of different gifts I got to get, man. Um, yesterday, I had to order some Dallas Cowboys apparel. Never fun doing that. My uncle's a huge Dallas Cowboy fan, so I had to hook him up. That's about the only the only shopping I've done to this point. We got the rest of the weekend to get some stuff done. I'll be a weekend warrior, just like all of you. So if you call in at any point tonight, call me out for being a hypocrite. Because off the top rope, I'm... Getting on y'all for doing what I'm doing, man. Fantastic sports weekend on tap, though, man. It feels like as we always get toward the end of the calendar year, you get the biggest and baddest sporting events on tap. Uh, Local college hoops tonight, Georgetown. Huge Big East action going up against number six Marquette. Not even speaking in hyperbole when I say it. The biggest game of the Ed Cooley era to this point. Uh, Marquette, obviously a top 10 team in the country and really have things clicking on all cylinders right now. They're one of the better teams in all of the land. Fred Cooley's bunch, interesting start to the season. I didn't have particularly high expectations for this group, knowing the roster turnover that we saw and knowing just how bad last year's unit was. Uh, but Ed Cooley, 
has got the fans, the Hoya faithful, to come out and pack out Cap One Arena. They'll be on the road for tomorrow's contest, so we'll see uh, what type of environment it'll be against Marquette. If they win tomorrow, we could start having some crazy conversations uh, about the Georgetown Hoyas. The other local team here in town, the Maryland Terrapins, and I always say it, anytime Maryland and Georgetown uh, are better, playing good basketball, this area uh, is a lot better off for it. Terps out west taking on UCLA tonight. Big stretch coming up for Coach Kevin Willard's squad. They should beat UCLA pretty handily tonight. Uh, They have struggled to start the year. I believe they got Coppin State early next week. And then they take on Purdue. They host Purdue the day after New Year's. Purdue right now number one in the country. College Park should be in an absolute frenzy come January the 2nd. I'm following the Terps on Twitter. So they're already starting to put out little social media messages to let the fans know, hey, this is a big one. If you remember last year, Terps picked up a huge victory at home. I believe it was against Purdue. And we got to see the Xfinity Center court get rushed by the student section. It was a damn good environment to be in. Hopefully, uh, Coach Kevin Willard's squad can turn a corner this year and get a big-time win against Purdue coming up next week. They got to take care of business first, though, tonight against UCLA. Since I'm bringing up college hoops, and I feel like I talk probably a little bit more college hoops than the average Joe, the game of the weekend in college hoops has nothing to do with this area. Last year's NCAA tournament Cinderella team, FAU, Florida Atlantic University, now ranked 14th in the country. They take on Pac-12 powerhouse, the fourth-ranked Arizona Wildcats. That is tomorrow. So just a good weekend of college basketball on tap for you. And a little glimpse as to how I'll be spending my weekend when I leave you here tonight. We got the Wizards on. We got Terps late night. Uh, So plenty of basketball to discuss. I mentioned the Wizards continuing their West Coast road trip tonight. I said it last week when I was here on overtime. The days are starting to blend together. I forgot the last time I was in. Last week on overtime, I said this. It feels like, and I know it hasn't necessarily been reflected in terms of wins and losses, feels like the Wizards are starting to turn a corner, playing better defense, Jordan Poole defending at a high level, and finally scoring the basketball at a high level. Really, really hotly contested contest last night in Portland. Daniel Gafford making Wizards history last night. He was super impressive. Tyus Jones here over the last two or three weeks has really been impressive and really steadying the point guard position for Washington. Last night, Bilal Koulibaly, a little bit of a disappointment. He had like three or four fouls early on uh, in that first quarter, so his minutes were a little bit stagnant last night, but he has been awesome during this stretch of play as well. Kyle Kuzma continuing to take on that leadership role for this bunch. As we get closer to the turn of the calendar year, and we start creeping up on the all-star break, there are some guys on this Wizards roster who have tremendous trade value. And don't forget the goal here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I know. Things have been a little bit more competitive here as of late. But this is a situation where Washington is actively tanking. They are trying to get the most draft capital possible uh, heading into this summer's draft. Tyus Jones, I mentioned how good a ball he's playing. Guess what? That's very, very good uh, in terms of the possible return Washington could get for Tyus Jones. I know Landry Shamit's been on the shelf for a little bit. He's another veteran that once he gets back in the lineup, they could potentially flip him for assets as well. We'll maybe open up the phones on this later on in the show when we talk Wizards. Jordan Poole, the way he's played here over the last two weeks, his trade value, I'm guessing, is starting to get back positive, so to speak, because I know the narrative surrounding his name in the first month of the season was, oh, toxic, cancerous type of player, not playing hard. 
But if you've watched the Wizards here in the last week and a half, two weeks, Jordan Poole doing it on the offensive end and on the defensive end, my basketball X's and O's junkies, you know what this is all a cause of or a reflection of. Him finally getting to play more minutes at the point guard position, that has led to the Wizards being better offensively, has led to him being more confident, and he seems more engaged. Now, I understand this is the National Basketball Association. If you're trying to build good habits and if you're trying to be a team that's known for playing hard, one of your better players in Jordan Poole can't have defensive lapses because he's not playing on the ball. He can't get stuck in the corner and not move off ball because he's not the lead guard. So Wes giving him a little bit more minutes at point guard has allowed him to be more engaged. And I think the team has been better off uh, as a result of it. As I mentioned, we got Wizards basketball on the fan tonight, following myself, Dave Johnson, Glenn Consor on the call. Pre-game coverage, it's going at 945. The National Football League has action tomorrow. And I'll say I was damn proud of the NFL the triple header last weekend of these Saturday games, all of them had ma- major playoff implications. Two more on deck for tomorrow. And last week, as, as I'm watching the games, first of all, I'll be honest with you. I think it was, was it was it Bengals and Vikings, the, the game that came on first? And initially, I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot that there was Saturday football on. So I turned it on. They're in a slobber knocker. All three of the games last weekend were damn good. Uh, the last one that we had last week, Lions and Broncos, wasn't as competitive but also have major playoff implications. we got two more on deck for tomorrow afternoon. We get a good old-fashioned AFC North battle. Steelers hosting the Bengals. Battle of two backup quarterbacks. Jake Browning has been absolutely awesome in relief for Joe Burrow. But for Pittsburgh, that's where I think the bigger story is this weekend. For Pittsburgh, it is Mason Rudolph time. And I know if you're a Steelers fan out there, you're probably rolling your eyes because you're probably thinking, well, what the hell is this? The last-ditch effort from Mike Tomlin to get this Steelers offense resuscitated to bring some life to that group. Mitchell Trubisky got benched last week. We all know he's playing in relief of our former first-round pick, Kenny Pickett. He went down uh, two or three weeks ago, and it's been Mitchell Trubisky ever since. He was so bad last week that he got benched in the waning moments of the football game. The game was already out of reach, so I don't know what Mike Tomlin and company got from sitting Mitch Trubisky down they got Mason Rudolph some real live in-game reps as he gets prepared uh, to start his first game of the season this weekend. That game going to be absolutely huge right now. If the playoffs started today, the Cincinnati Bengals actually in the AFC playoff picture. The Steelers right now on the outside looking in. If the Steelers lose, they drop to a less than 1% chance of qualifying for the AFC playoffs. So we'll see. We'll preview Steelers and Bengals before we get out of here as well. Uh, we'll take a big picture look at the National Football League I will look at the AFC and NFC playoff picture with a huge, huge Week 16 coming up in the National Football League. Speaking of the NFL, I can only go so long without bringing up, what am I calling them tonight? Because I told you, my gloves are off for the final three weeks. I have nothing positive to say about the local football outfit here in town. The Washington can't get rights. The Washington underachievers. The Washington waste your money on them. Because if you've been supporting that product this year, that's what you've done. And last weekend, this is the first time that me and Denton did the in-game show and are actively rooting for a loss. It was one of the most horrible feelings I've ever had. Always touted youngest in charge movement, 26 years old. There haven't been many situations where I've rooted against this team. Because I'll be honest with you, within the last three or four years, I'm just getting smart enough. I won't even say smart enough. My competitive edge is waned just a little bit to where I actually care about draft position at the end of the season because you talk to this kid pre-pandemic 
Oh, I don't care if it's the end of the season. I want them to win. Think about it from my perspective. When you haven't seen a lot of wins, you got to embrace everyone you could possibly get. So now I understand. I'm older. I'm wiser. I get it. Winning is bad right now for this group. It's an awkward place to be. It was horrible doing the in-game show last week. We try our best, but it's tough. The Commanders this weekend, they ruined my Thanksgiving. Now they have the opportunity to ruin my Christmas. I won't let them ruin my Christmas. They're in New York this weekend uh, taking on the Aaron Rodgers-less New York Jets. And I want to first talk about Aaron Rodgers here just for a quick second. I almost thought this was XM Radio for a second. almost swore. Bleep you, Aaron Rodgers. There is nothing exciting about this game this weekend between Trevor Simeon and Sam Howell. I can give a rat's you-know-what about anything that happens on Sunday. All I want is Washington to lose. For the last month, knowing this team was out of playoff contention, all of us nitwits were running around D.C. in the Beltway area thinking, oh, my God, I can't wait. We're going to get to play Aaron Rodgers on Christmas Eve. The whole world's going to be watching. People are going to care. I wonder what broadcast team they throw on for Jets and Commanders. And that, that tells you just how people think about the game, what broadcast team they actually throw on. Last week, and we're doing the end game show, so it's hard to – peep in and listen to who the announcers are, I had no clue who they were. No clue. And I didn't get to listen uh, to the announcers for most of the game because we're doing the end game show. But based on the lack of storylines in this one, you may get someone you've never heard of. And that's okay because you can listen to us and get our coverage right here on The Fan. Myself and Denton Day, Burgundy and Gold Game Day Live. I actually am false advertising because that does not exist this week. But you get what I'm saying. Washington going to be a little shorthanded going into Sunday. And it's tough because, make no mistake about it, the New York Jets, despite all the follies that they've had under center at the quarterback position, this defense, by and large, the best group of the National Football League. Not even close. They got pass rush. They're aggressive in the secondary. They blitz. And you saw the game plan last week from Raheem Morris. You blitz the hell out of Sam Howe, you're probably going to get good results. Washington finished that game uh, this past Sunday against the Rams shorthanded up front. They will be shorthanded up front going into the game this weekend. Charles Leno ruled out. Tyler Larson, excuse me, Tyler Larson ruled out. Brian Robinson once again ruled out. And that one scares me because I wanted to see what he could do down the stretch. And I want to see Sam Howe with a legit running game behind him. We'll see a lot more Antonio Gibson, who actually got benched at a portion of last week's game. I don't know. If it lines up with the play that I'm talking about, he missed a block in pass protection on a second or third down, and we didn't see him for two or three series after that. Uh, we'll see if he's still in Eric Bieniemy's doghouse come Sunday. We saw a lot of Chris Rodriguez, Washington's late-round draft pick out of Kentucky. Derek Gore got signed from the practice squad today, so I'm assuming we'll see him on Sunday uh, coming up as well. But like I said, no Charles Leno, no Tyler Larson. Brian Robinson ruled out. Trevor Simeon, like I said, set and start for Gang Green. I'm terrified because let's just be honest. And I know what I said a couple moments ago. There is no way that this team loses on Sunday. The Jets stink. So do we. But there's levels to it, right? The Jets are horrible. I think, I hope that the guys on this team have enough pride to keep it competitive. To keep it competitive, but then also understand, hey, bro, probably not supposed to win this game. If Washington loses out, these numbers 
uh, VR pal Seth Walder at ESPN. If Washington loses out, they have an 81% chance at a top three pick. They'll then have a 33% chance uh, at a top two pick and a 3% chance at the number one pick. So we are actively rooting for losses here the rest of the way. Last week, we got the loss and a little bit of excitement as well. Jacoby Brissett being thrown into the lineup. He looked tremendous. I know we were talking about it in the postgame show. What does it mean for Sam Howell? What does it mean for Eric Bieniemy? What does it mean for Ron Rivera? I'll tell you what it means for the team. Jacoby Brissett, what you saw Sunday, probably gives this team the best chance to win. Luckily for us, winning is not the agenda and the goal right now. Ron Rivera and Eric Bieniemy spoke about it earlier this week. They said that Sam Howell will start this Sunday. I believe it's the right move. You got to see what he has the rest of the way. You already went this far with the experiment, so let's just finish the damn product out. But if I'm Jacoby Brissett, or if I'm even a member of the offense, I think you're looking over your shoulder saying, man, the fact that they showed they were willing to bench Sam, the fact that they showed that they had the stones to bench Sam, based on the defenses that they play moving forward, you got the Jets, the Niners, and the Cowboys, wouldn't shock me if Sam Howe got benched one more time or two or three before the season's over. It has been a struggle for him here in the past four or five weeks. Sunday against the Rams was god-awful. Jacoby Brissett came in and looked pretty damn good in relief. We'll discuss what that means as the show rolls on here tonight. We'll have a couple of people stop by the program, bottom of the 7 o'clock hour, about David Harrison, the host of the Locked On Commanders podcast. He is set to join us. We'll discuss Washington and their big game. <laughs> I say that facetiously. Their big game Sunday against the New York Jets. J.P. Acosta will join us at about 8.30. We'll take a big-picture look uh, around the National Football League, and we'll discuss some of the big storylines heading into Week 16. The Buffalo Bills at 8-6 and six are playing really good football. The 49ers and the Ravens have a huge showdown this weekend. We'll discuss all of that with J.P. Acosta coming up at about 8.30. Then top of the 9 o'clock hour, we'll go all hoops as we'll lead you up to Dave Johnson and Glenn Consor. They'll have the call here on 106.7 The Fan. Wizards continuing their road trip tonight in Golden State. The return of Jordan Poole to the Chase Center. Uh, we'll get wall-to-wall coverage of that top of the 9 o'clock hour when Jason Dumas joins us live from the Chase Center. All that and more coming up next year on Overtime. You all know how I get down. It's the People Show. Tap in with me all show long. One of two ways. MGM National Harbor Listener Lines wide open. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. You can tweet at me as well. It's at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. We'll take a quick time out. We'll let things breathe for a second. When we come back, I promise to be a fire-breathing dragon. I'm a little ticked off with the decision that Ron Rivera made on Sunday to bench Sam Howell. I'll tell you why next here on The Fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You know, if there's one thing, you, you, just to me, is, is, is just the consistency, to continue with the consistency. Um, you know, it's been a, a tough few weeks. You know, we, we haven't played the way we've wanted as a team. And, uh, you know, I, I think, again, it's a good opportunity as we just, you know, look at them, focus in on them one at a time and, and, and play consistent football. It's the head coach of the Washington Commanders, Ron Rivera. He talked to the D.C. media a couple of different times this week. Had a bunch of different questions to answer, man. Last Sunday in L.A. against the Rams, honestly, went the way that I guess we all expected it to go. But then that final nine minutes in regulation doing the in-game show with Denton Day, I mean, it was unlike anything I had ever seen. Uptown Down, you were right there seeing our reaction. I was hoping and hollering over what I was seeing. I, I could not believe it because, <laughs> to your point, like the three of us were doing the show. We were like down and out. Yeah. You know, the game is over, basically. We're like, like you said, it's, it's a struggle kind of getting through that show sometimes. Sure. And Bursette came in and just <laughs> lit it up like, you know, those two straight drives. I was like, what the heck? So, you know, we definitely perked up in the studio for sure. For sure. And that's kind of, Ron was talking about consistency. I think we saw Sunday the difference between a veteran and Jacoby Brissett and a second-year starter uh, in Sam Howell. But I want to just look at this thing big picture here and look at it from a bird's-eye view. Because I think while Sunday wasn't good for Sam Howell, 11-26, 102 yards, a touchdown, an interception, 3.9 yards, an attempt, it was awful. Make no mistake about it, and I don't want to sugarcoat it. And, and I don't want it to be taken as me being some type of Sam Howell hater or, or me being overly critical of a second-year quarterback. But when I read you the stat line, and this is not like the L.A. Rams or anything comparable to what you will see here in the final three weeks. This defense that you played this past Sunday has nothing on the Jets, which you'll see this weekend. It it damn sure has nothing on the 49ers, who you'll see in two weeks. And if Dallas has anything to play for at week 18, they can't hold their jockstrap either. So for Sam Howell to look as inept and shell-shocked as he did on Sunday, it obviously makes you look at things with an eye toward the future. We've had these conversations at nauseum here on overtime all season long, really. What does Sam Howell have to do to firmly entrench himself as a legit option uh, as being this team's franchise quarterback? What does he have to do? If he continues to play the way he's played here in the past month, 
I remember I said it last week that if Hal plays well, this commander's job and the decision you'll have to make, while, yes, you have plenty of resources, the, the job is hard. Choosing between Sam Howell or uh, potentially Jaden Daniels at pick number four. After what we saw Sunday, if we continue to see what we saw Sunday, if we continue to see what we've seen the last month, no hard decision going to have to be made. None at all. If we see from Sam Howell what we've seen from him the past month, the decision's easy. You move on. You're picking in the top five. You go out and get a quarterback. But I think my big issue with everything that happened Sunday, and I'm glad it happened. Eric Bieniemy has a quote that he's been using recently, and it's he's he's honestly not overusing it, but he's using it a hell of a lot. Sometimes you can't have any good luck without any bad luck. He's been using that at nauseum recently, and I agree with it, 110%. I think that phrase perfectly encapsulates what this year has been for Washington. Sometimes you can't have any good luck without a little bit of bad luck. I don't even want to call it luck. I look right in the face of the head man in charge, the decider, the ego-tripping head coach that the Washington Commanders have, Ron Rivera, and his genius plan going into this year. Because let's be honest. I'm taking the gloves off, I said it, for the final three weeks of the season. Be honest with y'all. And I'm always honest with you, but I feel like, you know, sometimes I try to be lenient on guys to try and not sound like a big, angry black man. Let's just call it what it is at this point. Ron Rivera and his genius plan in year four was exposed Sunday by the L.A. Rams unintentionally. He exposed it himself. Because as we'll hear from Eric Bieniemy in the next segment, it was Ron Rivera's decision to sit Sam Howell down. But I want to just look at it big picture from a bird's eye view. What this season has been and how we got here. Because I think that's the important part about all of this that maybe I care about more than the next man. I care about how we got here. I know you can't cry over spilled milk. I understand revisionist history is frowned upon. But how we got here is unprecedented. How we got here is inexplicable. If you all remember, since August, since August, I've been screaming. It is organizational malpractice to try and develop a rookie quarterback in year four of a five-year deal. And when I say that, I say it from the perspective and lens of the head coach of the football team, Ron Rivera. Thinking about where his job security was going into this season with new ownership in one playoff berth since you've been here, the seat was hot. seat was hot. How hot was the seat is up for debate. But I'll say this. It's unfair what's happened here over the past calendar year, over the past 11 months. Because we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of maybe the biggest mistake of the Ron Rivera era. Back in January, fresh off of Sam Howell's lone start in his career, there's a report that came out 
from Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports. And the report read that Washington, who is currently interviewing offensive coordinator candidates, the report said that Ron Rivera was telling those candidates that they want to move forward with Sam Howell as the answer at quarterback. When they interviewed Pat Shermer, when he interviewed Thomas Brown, Charles London, all the way down to Eric Bieniemy, who eventually ends up getting the job, the narrative was that Ron Rivera was ready to hand the keys to the franchise to Sam Howell and give him, and I believe this is the verbiage that was used, every opportunity to earn the starting quarterback job and be this team's franchise QB moving forward. I get frustrated because they use the word earn. Nothing was earned about Sam Howell being the quarterback here in D.C. Nothing was earned. So let's stop with all that. It's hogwash. It is unprecedented. Unprecedented. To hand over the keys to the franchise to a guy that has 11 career starts. Where do they do that at? Where have you heard of it? Especially when the head coach is in year four of a five-year deal. But let me tell you, let me tell you what the thought process was from one Ronald Eugene Rivera. Because when you understand Ron's thought process, when you understand where he is and where he was when that report came out, all of this makes a lot more sense. Think about the way Washington has addressed the quarterback position since Ron Rivera got here. It's been his biggest flaw to this point is how he's handled quarterback. And I'll say this. You could say I'm I'm gassing it or I'm jazzing the situation. If we just looked at quarterback decisions in the National Football League since 2000, over a four-year time span, Ron Rivera and his plan over this four-year time span is probably the worst that's ever been made in the 2000s. In year one, you have the opportunity to draft Tua Tungavailoa or Justin Herbert. You decide to rock with Dwayne Haskins. Haskins then gets cut before the regular season concludes in year one of Ron Rivera. You limp into the playoffs somehow. Alex Smith and Taylor Heineke rub their feet together, and all of a sudden, you're a playoff team. Coming out of that year, you had every opportunity, every opportunity to swing big at quarterback. Think about it. It was year one. Ron had all the job security in America. That was the time to go out and try to trade for a Justin Fields or or Mac Jones or a Trey Lance, whoever you liked in that class. Washington and Ron going into year two had the opportunity to do that. Instead, 38-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick was the magical answer at quarterback for Washington. Horrible. God-awful. Ridiculous. Inexplicable. Year three. Once again, they pass on the opportunity to go after a young signal caller and develop a young quarterback. They pass on it. They trade for Carson Wentz. And I'll admit at the time, I was a big proponent of trading for Carson Wentz. He was coming off a season where he threw 27 touchdowns to just seven interceptions with the Colts. They were a game away from clinching a playoff spot in the AFC. So I was all in on, on Carson Wentz. I thought we had the necessary weapons for him to have a career renaissance or some sort of resurgence here in D.C. I was wrong. Taylor Heineke ends up starting at the before year's end. 
But Ron, in that offseason, they decided to draft Sam Howell in the fifth round. Sam Howell joined the We The Ones podcast with Robert Griffin III during the bye week. And something that he said that stuck with me is he continued to harp on how important it was for him to play in week 18 last year against Dallas. Because he hadn't received any reps barely up until that point. It had been really difficult for him to get reps. Because you're behind Carson. You're behind Taylor Heineke. So in essence, what Sam Howell divulged with that information to me is that Ron and company, of course, they didn't know what Sam Howell was because he wasn't practicing. So my thing is this. For you to wait until week 18 to play this young man, for you to wait until week 18 for him to really get first-team reps, how in the hell, after 11 completions, were you comfortable going in to this season with him as your answer at quarterback? In a do-or-die situation for Ron Rivera in terms of job security, you know what Ron thought, though? He thought, well, my best bet is if I try and develop Sam Howell, and, and even if we don't win, he shows signs of being the guy moving forward. That'll help me keep my job. <laughs> Wrong. Every report that comes out, everyone knows you're getting fired, Ron. You know you're getting fired. I'm of the belief that you're probably the one leaking some of these reports. What we saw from Jacoby Brissett is what this offense is capable of with a competent veteran under center. That's what we learned on Sunday. And it frustrates the hell out of me. Obviously, hindsight is 2020. This defense is god-awful. There's nothing a change at quarterback would do for that. This defense stinks. But, man, if you would have played the best quarterback, hell, if you would have even held an open quarterback competition, probably would have been Jacoby Brissett that wins it. And you're now giving yourself the best chance to win each and every Sunday. And when you got to answer to Terry McLaurin, when you got to answer to John Allen, when you got to answer to Charles Leno and other veterans on this roster, Playing a quarterback that's considerably worse and not playing the best guy, you look like a fraud. There's a reason this locker room is probably lost. There's a reason there are loose lips in that locker room. It, it It just is what it is. At some point, at some point, and I guess it'll happen January 8th. I guess I guess it'll happen. Three weeks from now, Ron Rivera should 100% be held accountable for the god-awful plan at quarterback that he's had. Every year since Ron has gotten here, the four-year body of work in terms of plan at the quarterback position is probably the worst we've ever seen in the 2000s. Just shows you where we're at right now. It's a tough spot to be in. Three games left, and it's up for the fans. It's up for the organization. It's up for everyone, I guess, to decide whether or not Sam Howell is going to be the guy moving forward. Eric Bieniemy talked to the local media yesterday and had some very interesting comments on the decision to bench Sam, on how Jacoby performed, and a hell of a lot more. We'll let you hear from the head coach, or excuse me, we'll let you hear from the offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders, Eric Bieniemy, next here on The Fan. Okay, 
Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome back. It's Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. We are always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement with El Willingham. I'll take you up to 945 tonight. We've got the radio party following myself here on 106.7 The Fan. Dave Johnson, Glenn Consor, you get you warmed up for Wizards and Warriors. The D.C. family continuing their West Coast road trip. They'll actually wrap up that West Coast road trip tonight. Second half of a back-to-back. Plenty of storylines. Heading into that one, we'll preview the game coming up at 9 o'clock when our pal Jason Dumas joins the program. He is live out at the Chase Center. Uh, You can hear Jason talking hoops on 95-7, the game in Golden State uh, during the weekday. So Jason, always a good guy to catch up with when you're talking about the Golden State Warriors. We'll talk Wizards-Warriors coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Right now, I want to continue to talk about the Washington Commanders and what we can expect here in this final three weeks of the season. Sunday, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Sunday was so unique from a fan's perspective because we're all rooting for this team to lose. But I think we all collectively, with about nine or so minutes left to go in the game, I think we all collectively were actively rooting for the team to win because Jacoby Brissett comes off the bench like the savvy veteran he is and absolutely walks the football 
up and down the field. 8 of 10, 124 yards, two touchdowns, got Terry McLaurin involved. It was a damn beautiful sight to see. Obviously, that came with benching Sam Howell and obviously coming out of Sunday. That is the bigger story. The Washington Commanders deciding to bench Sam Howell on Sunday in favor of Jacoby Brissett, the offensive coordinator of the Commanders, Eric Bieniemy, explained the decision. You know what, Coach Ron? Uh, he basically said, "Hey, you know what? Let's let's rest him. You know, let's 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 give him a break. Let's let him sit back and let's let's give him an opportunity to observe Jacoby. And let's uh, give Jacoby an opportunity to go play." And so I agree with him at that particular time. There was no hesitation, and obviously. Coach Revere is the head man, and when he makes a comment, he has 51% of the vote, and I honestly agree with him at that particular time because I felt he was pressing, and you never want to see someone pressing. And I, I just want to make sure I state this loud and clear. Sam is a hell of a kid. On top of that, he's a hell of a quarterback that's accepted a huge challenge. It's not very easy being in the road that he's in, Okay. I'm not going to make any excuses for him as well. But on top of that, as a group, we got to make sure that everyone is rallying around him and play. We got to play better in the run game. We got to make sure we're protecting the quarterback. We got to make plays on the perimeter. And so it all ties together. And so it's tough when you're in that predicament, but I thought at that particular moment, that was the right decision to do. And I tell you what. Derek Bianami giving a real detailed answer about what went into the decision Sunday to bench Sam Howe. And I thought it was interesting. He goes to Ron Rivera right away and says he's got 51% of the vote. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. He's the head coach. He should. But in this particular situation, man, I, I don't know how to read this. I, I honestly don't. And I'm not trying to stir the pot or anything like that. It's just, it's just hard for me to think that this was the first time here in this last month that Ron and Eric have considered benching Sam. You just can't tell me that. Miami, he wasn't good. The second New York game, he wasn't good. And Dallas, he wasn't good. So you had multiple times to make that decision. But ultimately, I'll say this about benching Sam. It does you no good. The old, the old adage is you make your bed and I'll lay in it. Ron Rivera made the choice back in January as to who the quarterback was going to be for the 2023 season. He made that decision back in January. And yeah, you can say that it was... You know, it was a competition. We know it wasn't a competition. Jacoby Brissett received zero first-team reps during camp. Zilch. And by the looks of the way he played on Sunday, he didn't need to get any first-team reps. He's a veteran. This is what you expect. They knew that if they had to go to Jacoby, they knew what he'd provide them. And if you watch these games, you see who is the main characters in Sam Howell's ear. It's Eric Bieniemy. It's Davida Pritchard, the quarterback's coach. And then it's Jacoby Brissett, who's got a very, very large voice in Washington's quarterback room. That's for good reason. He knows uh, what he's talking about. Now, the big question mark coming out of Sunday, immediately following the game Sunday, was whether or not 
uh, they would move with Jacoby Brissett moving forward, or was this a one-off situation? Eric Bieniemy spoke on what benefits there could be to letting Howell watch Brissett for a full game, and if there are any benefits to that. Uh, that's not anything that crosses your mind. And, and, and the thing about that, you can state that for everybody on the field, correct? You can make that case an argument. But uh, Sam has done a heck of a job. He's earned this position. But on top of that, you know, he's going – basically, let me go backwards. That was great for him going through that moment because it, it was a humbling experience for him, but it also gave him an opportunity to grow by evaluating and just watching, okay, and having that opportunity just to see a veteran handle and conduct himself in such a positive way, all right? So now when that discussion comes up, it's not even a, a, a second thought because, yes, he got to get back on that horse. He got to make sure that all the work that we put into, now he has to go out and apply it. Now let's use this situation and make sure that it becomes a positive uh, 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 outcome. Because I'll say this, sometimes without any bad luck, some of us wouldn't have any good luck at all. And the thing that I'm noticing, and I said this a little bit. There you go. I told you Eric Pianney loves that phrase. Sometimes you can't. Excuse me, sometimes without any bad luck, you can't have any good luck at all. I get what Eric's saying, and I thought the answer was very in- insightful uh, from Eric. If you're a casual football fan, you're probably saying, what the heck can the starter Sam learn from the backup in Jacoby? Jacoby's been around the block multiple different times. Jacoby is a veteran in this league. Even without getting any practice reps, you saw just how effective Jacoby Brissett uh, could be in this offense. The big difference to me between Sam and Jacoby on Sunday, and really Sam all year, when Sam Howell has been at his best, he'll tell you this to a man, his, his teammates to a man will tell you, the coaching staff will tell you. Sam has been at his best this year when the ball comes out of his hands and he's decisive with where it goes. Because the one thing about quarterback, and I don't know if Eric said this or not this week, but anybody out there who's coached quarterback at any level, little league, high school, the ball can come out. You can be decisive with your decision and still make the wrong decision and have a good outcome. But normally when you're not decisive with the football, bad things happen. And I think what we saw over this last month stretch is Sam just not be decisive with the football. The sacks have reoccurred. He's throwing it into bad windows. He's making bad decisions. I think all of that comes from him not being decisive with the ball. Why is he not being decisive now to me is an entire different conversation. Cause you just look at the last month alone. The level of competition is ratcheted up severely in terms of the defenses that you've played. Miami's a damn good defense. Dallas was a damn good defense. You know the struggles you've had against the Giants. The Rams, while they don't have a lot of household names, Raheem Morris is aggressive, and they play fast. Guess what? Final three games of the season, at the Jets on Sunday, and then home for the Niners and Cowboys to wrap up. If you don't think that these three defenses are going to disguise coverages, are going to make life tough for Sam. You're crazy. That That's why it feels like the writing's on the wall, man. And I guess we'll open up the phones for this. 
636-1067 is the number. You can tweet at me as well. It's at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. Three games left to go in the season right now for Sam Howell and the Washington Commanders. With three weeks left in the season and Washington owning the number four overall pick, with what you've seen up to this point as we sit here on Friday night before week 16, if Washington stays at four come April, what do you want them to do? Are we at the point in time where we should turn the page on Sam Howell come April in the draft? Are we at the point where you've seen enough here in this last month to go, you know what? I'm cool on Sam Howell. Because guess what? I don't want to project bad things on him. But a gambling man, your gut would tell you that the next three weeks he's going to struggle even more. And that's what happens when you face different competition. ESPN NFL draft analyst Matt Miller hopped on with Kevin Sheehan uh, yesterday, I believe, and they had some really good discussion. Matt Miller and Kevin went back and forth on Jaden Daniels and the prospect of Washington potentially taking him with the number four overall pick. Matt also dished his opinion on Sam Howell after 14 starts. We'll let you hear from Matt Miller next here on The Fan. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. one 636 1067 is the number on the MGM National Harbor Lister line. You can tweet at me as well. It's at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. We'll take a few of your calls if you got any. Coming up in about 10 minutes, our pal David Harrison, host of the Locked On Commanders podcast. He is set to join us. We have his thoughts, and we'll get a quick preview of Commanders and Jets coming up on Sunday. Right now, before we hit the phones, though, I promised you, uh, going into the break that I'd let you hear from ESPN NFL draft analyst Matt Miller. He joined a pal Kevin Sheehan yesterday, and I thought the conversation between these two was absolutely fascinating. Matt Miller uh, got pretty popular here in the D.C. area uh, before the season started because uh, he was pretty critical of Sam Howell and what he thought Sam Howell uh, could turn into at the quarterback position. Here is Matt Miller talking about Sam Howell after 14 starts this year in the National Football League? I would say now he is, I still like the Baker comparison, you know, of like there are times where like last weekend, Baker had a perfect QB rating in right. Green Bay. You know, there are times where Baker can look really good, but 
it's one of those quarterbacks. You're going to be as good as the scheme and the talent around you. You're not going to transcend that. You know, you're not, you're not going to elevate that. And that's it's okay. That's more teams than not in the NFL have a guy like that. But right now, Washington doesn't have the, the, the help, especially on the offensive line. And they don't have, you know, the, I like Eric Bieniemy. It's his first year. So you haven't had time for that scheme to really come together yet. So you don't have those, you know, kind of foundational elements to prop up a quarterback who is in his first year as a starter and has some limitations. So, you know, I think, you know, when you were talking about, you know, somewhere between Colt McCoy and Andy Dalton, I'm like, that's Gardner Minshew to me, you know, and that right. might be who Sam exactly. Howard is being. It's Gardner Minshew, Baker Mayfield, who can, you know, those two are probably going to be playing in the playoffs. So that's not, that's not, you know, the insult that I think a lot of your listeners or folks on Twitter are going to think that it is, you know, those are, they're going to make good money. They're going to have long careers. But if you're drafting in the top five and you, yes, there's a big unknown with that, but when you're drafting in the top five, you got to think, okay, we have a chance to get a premier prospect that can upgrade us at the most important position. That's uh, ESPN NFL draft analyst Matt Miller talking about you know his thoughts and how he views Sam Howell after 14 starts this year. I thought some of the comps have been really interesting relative to what people here locally have said about him. Because all we continue to hear, and I wish I can, we did a poll last week. Probably do another poll next week because it feels like after every game, the opinion is going to change on Sam. When we sit here with three weeks left to go in the season, there's a lot of you that feel like, man, he's a rookie. The offensive line's bad. You got to go into next year with him as the guy and use your top five pick that you're projected to have. Use that to build the roster up around him. When you hear when you hear pro comps like Gardner Minshew and Baker Mayfield, are, are those guys that you would want to build your franchise around? No. I think that really answers the question for me. Because it seems like there is starting to become a consensus as to what Sam is. And when I took the poll about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, one of the options that I that I gave you all as to what he can project into was a top 12 to 16 quarterback. And maybe that might have been too rich of a number. But based on what you've seen the last month, and when you put that into the entire body of work that we've seen from Sam this year, at best, when he's at his best, it looks like a top 16 to 20 quarterback. On Sunday against the Rams, he looked like one of the bottom three starters in the league, maybe a high-end backup. So there's been a lot of variance in his performance. But in terms of the decision Washington's going to have to make, I gave you all the odds at the top of the show. If Washington loses out, they have an 81% chance at a top three pick, a 33% chance at a top two pick, and a 3% chance at the number one overall pick. If Washington ends up with a top three pick and the draft goes as follows, Caleb Williams, Drake Bay, I don't know how you don't take... Uh, Jaden Daniels at this point from LSU. Take off your Ashburn goggles, people. Sam Howe, the prospect, if coming out in this class, would at best be the fifth or sixth best quarterback. Matt Miller talked about the hypothetical. Washington right or Matt Miller on how he'd feel 
about selecting LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels fourth overall. I, I love Jaden Daniels. And, and at four, I don't think that's too rich. I have Jaden as my number eight overall player. And that that's probably going to change. It's probably going to go up because I, I now have time to get caught up on film. I have time to get caught up talking to coaches who've coached against Jaden, guys who've coached him specifically. Um, man, he's he's so much fun to watch. Uh, he's an explosive runner. He had a, over 1,100 yards rushing this year, 10 touchdowns. He's the best deep thrower in college football, not just the draft class, in college football. Uh, he had, uh, like, a, his QBR was essentially 100 on throws over 20 yards. He had 22 touchdowns, no interceptions on throws over 20 yards. And you can point to the fact that Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. are good wide receivers, but turn on the film, and he is just layering the ball to those guys down the field. He's given them those opportunities. So I am uh, really a big fan of his, and also because I've watched him since Arizona State throwing to Brandon Ayuk till now, watching him develop and improve, and he's gotten better in the pocket. He's gotten smarter as a runner. He's added, you know, 15, 20 pounds to his frame, uh, and it hasn't affected his speed. So I think when you have the opportunity to, to draft someone who has some elite traits, deep ball throwing, uh, speed in the open field, field vision, those are elite traits that he has. I think you jump all over that. And I, I saw uh, – I wish I could remember who because I loved that they said this. It's a lot like Anthony Richardson last year. It's Matt Miller talking about Jaden Daniels and the prospect of taking him at number four overall. This conversation that we're having now, it's kind of early to have it. The conversation is going to shift multiple different times before April and round one pops up. Because as you heard Matt kind of allude to, he's just really starting to crack open the tape. And there's still more data to be gained here, right? I know a lot of people want to see how J.J. McCarthy is going to look against Bama. How is he going to look in a big game, high-pressure situation like that? I remember C.J. Stroud last year uh, when they played Georgia. You saw his draft stock skyrocket because people wanted to see the movement ability. So right now, I think the consensus is that Caleb Williams is the number one quarterback. But by the time we get to April, this is the dangerous thing for Washington. By the time we get to April, it may flip. Right now, Drake May is considered the consensus number two. By the time we get to April, I think it may be a pick your poison. Because Jaden Daniels, to me, is in the mold of a Patrick Mahomes, of a Lamar Jackson. Drake May is more of like your Justin Herbert. Um, more of like, it's just in terms of his build physically. Herbert. Dak Prescott, I, I would say, is a comparable guy to to Drake May. So that, that it's going to be pick your poison, and I think depending on how the board goes ahead of Washington, that will heavily influence whether or not they end up taking a quarterback. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we will continue to discuss the options that Washington will have at quarterback going into this offseason. Our pal David Harrison said to join us. He's the host of the Locked On Commanders podcast. We'll ask David about what Washington could do this offseason. Plus, we'll take a sneak peek ahead at Sunday's game against the New York Jets. All that and more next here on Overtime. Just getting rolling here on this Friday night edition of Overtime. It's the Youngest in Charge movement. Linnell Willingham taking you up to 945 tonight before we dish the rock to Glenn Consor and Dave Johnson, the radio party. We'll have coverage of Wizards basketball. They are in Golden State taking on the Warriors. Jordan Poole's return to the Chase Center 
Uh, we'll discuss it. Wall-to-wall coverage coming up for you, top of the 9 o'clock hour, uh, as we get you geared up for Warriors and Wizards. Right now, though, I want to go out to the BetQL guest hotline. is where we find our pal David Harrison. He is the host of the Locked On Commanders podcast. He is also the co-host of the Locked On Bucks podcast. If you want to keep up with the messy uh, NFC South, uh, you can give him a follow on Twitter at dharrison82. What's going on, David? How are you, buddy? What's up, man? How you been? I'm good, man. Um, wanted to tease you a little bit. It's not even really a tease. It's honestly giving you kudos, and you're a lucky man. When Washington, obviously, is out of contention and things get dry, you got the Bucks to talk about as well. They're making things yeah. interesting. The Sam Howell and Baker Mayfield comparisons. We saw a really good version of Baker Mayfield last week. What do you make yeah. of those Sam Howell, Baker Mayfield comparisons, Dave? I mean, you know, they obviously have, like, similar builds, and I think a lot of it kind of comes from that, but they also have similar styles as far as, you know, when and where they choose to kind of duck and run. And, and you know, they're two guys that certainly have the ability to do damage with their legs but don't necessarily live off of it, so they're not really known for it. And they're very similar, too, where sometimes, you know, if you're if you're a fan at home watching the game on television, you're screaming, run the ball, run the ball, like because <laughs> you can see the 15 yards of green grass in front of them, but he's trying to find a receiver downfield, whether it's number 17 in Burgundy or number 13 in, in Pewter, like, you know, and, and just kind of getting frustrated there. But then at the same time, too, like you see some of the positives. You know, obviously Baker's got more experience now, but, you know, cannon for arms, can make every throw on the field. Uh, tenacious, you know, fighters, all that stuff at the same time, too. Like, if they try to do too much, that's where they get in trouble. Uh, and, when, and when you see these, either of these guys try to do too much, it can put their team in, in a very precarious situation. Speaking of doing too much, I don't know if that was the case on Sunday against the Rams or maybe not doing enough. Sam Howell yeah. benched. Uh, I'm going to call it, say, bench for the first time in his young career because the other times that they've pulled him, uh, they said they were trying to protect him. It was very clear Sunday with nine minutes left, he was benched as a result of poor performance. Moving forward, coming out of Sunday, what do you think are some of the benefits uh, that Sam Howell could have gotten from sitting back and watching Jacoby Brissett? And then what did you make of the veterans' play when he got in? Yeah, I mean, so you know, I'll start with Jacoby's play first and foremost. Like, he's, he he kind of shows us who he is, you know, and, he, and we saw Jacoby, you know, the, the reps that he did get at training camp, like, Again, he's a guy who's got enough arm. Uh, you know, I think I would probably say Sam's arm is stronger, but, I mean, Jacoby can certainly get the ball wherever you need him to on the football field for the most part. Um, and, you know, he's got that experience, and, and you see that and that ability to come in in a situation and take advantage of, of what he's been seeing on the sideline. And, you know, the great thing about Jacoby is he's not just a quarterback sitting on the sideline going, okay, I'm not playing, so I'm kind of half plugged in, half not plugged in. You know, he's, he's fully tuned in. And, and uh, Sam has said, you know, multiple times, comes to the sideline, it's not just EB, it's not just Tavita in his ear, it's, it's Jacoby in his ear as well, trying to help him out. Jake Fromm, uh, get some love from, from Sam as well for that kind of stuff too. And, you know, so when, when Jacoby comes in, you know, he's not, he hasn't taken any reps, but he's taken plenty of metal reps and he's looked at plenty of iPad shots and, and, and all these other things. All right. And then just like the coaches have been saying, man, he's, he, he comes in there and just rips it. Just says, you know, we just got to go out there and play ball. At the end of the day, you know, you're never going to make money with the football standing in the pocket. Like, as long as the football is in the pocket, there's no compound interest. There's no return on investments. The ball has got to leave the pocket. One way or another, the ball's got to leave the pocket. And I think that's really where the commanders need Sam Howe to get back to because it's not that he's never been there. He's certainly been there. But right now, he's not getting there uh, nearly as much as they need him to. And I think really what you're seeing, I've been kind of saying this since the second Giants game, Mm -hmm. I think that Sam is just kind of acutely aware that his defense is going to give up a lot of points. 
So his offense needs to put up a lot of points. So he's coming out there with the mindset of we have to do damage. And that's great from an awareness standpoint, great from an intensity standpoint and intention. You know, the, the intention is, is great. But what the result is, is, and I think this is where, you know, EB didn't get specific about, but he's kind of talking about how he's kind of taking advantage of something. And yeah. I think right now Sam is maybe taking a little bit too much advantage of his leg, thinking I can extend plays longer than maybe I should be, uh, hoping for guys to come open, or he's even bypassing open routes thinking, okay, I got this six-yarder, but I think I can get a 12-yarder. If I just hold out a little bit longer, I get that 12-yarder. I get that 15-yarder. And what's happening is time's running out and getting sacked or that that play is breaking down. It's not coming open the way he thought it might, and it's it's doing damage to his team. And he's just got to get back to, you know, some of the basics of quarterbacking. At the end of the day, you know, if your primary read is open, you throw the ball. Like, that's not a choice. You don't – that's not an option. You have – if your primary read is open, you deliver the ball. That's your job. That's what you do as a quarterback. Um, Everything, you know, the choice is is in the pre-snap read uh, and all that stuff. But once that choice is made, the ball is snapped, I got my read, it's open, I deliver it. It's not, I go to my next. If it's not open, if it's open, I deliver it again. And to me, it's got to be a one-two hitch. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get to the top of your route, you get to the top of your drop, you get one hitch out of it, maybe two. I think after the second hitch, you got to go, man. Like, if the second hitch and there's nothing open, you just got to go. You got to either run or get rid of the ball. Uh, don't take that third, fourth. You know, don't try to extend the play too far. Um, just just getting back to kind of the, the basics of, of being an effective quarterback. It's the old adage, David. You got to crap or get off the pot. I know what you mean by getting the football out uh, with this young quarterback. I want to ask you about that in particular, though, because Eric has kind of here in the last month or so kind of given little subliminals into what what Sam needs to continue to improve on. And this week, decisiveness was the huge thing. And him not being decisive, he said it directly in his media availability yesterday. And Jacoby came in, and I don't know if it's just from him being a veteran, it was the antithesis of of not being decisive, right? The ball's coming out on time. Uh, he's getting it yeah. to the right guy. You see him push the ball down the field to Terry McLaurin, and he gets as active as he's been all year long. For Sam, when you look at him moving forward, I know you – I don't want to say you built in the excuse, but you, you gave him a little leeway saying, you know, he knows his defense is not very good, so he's pressing to make big plays down the field. When you're judging him overall, how much do you knock him for that? Because we've talked about it at nauseum. A lot of the times, the, the phrase I've used is he's passing up the layup too constantly. Yeah. You know, th- there's yeah. guys running underneath. The check down is there. You saw that multiple times on Sunday, and it's been a, been a reoccurring theme for him. Yeah. For this coaching staff, if, if he can't show the ability to do that, David, would you sit him down again? Because and not to be long winded here, Eric alluded to this this week. Sometimes you got to sit down and take a step back to really understand. And as Eric put it, understand what you have. Because sometimes you might take certain things for granted. Yeah, you know uh, that that's a really good point. And, and you know the the thing about quarterbacks that try too hard. Um, so Sam is doing it mostly in the last three weeks, but I would extend it, like I said, probably about another four or five weeks, you know, four or five games mm-hmm. um, total. I think we've kind of seen this, this steady increase in that, that behavior. Um, I covered a quarterback for a while that did that every single game. His name is Jameis Winston. That's <laughs> what he did. Jameis Winston's mentality was, I want the big play. I want the perfect play. I don't want the small play. So you go, you go back to the old adage of take what the defense gives you. Jameis never wanted to take what the defense gave him. Jameis wanted to take what he wanted to take from the defense, whether they were giving it to him or not. And that was always 
Jameis Winston's Achilles heel. Because sometimes it'll be all this other stuff, but most of the time it led to head scratching plays, frustrating plays, you know, replaying, you know, third and sixes where you got a guy wide open eight yards downfield and you throw in triple coverage 30 yards downfield, um, all those things. Jameis Winston, you know, number one overall pick, all that stuff, he got obviously much more time than most quarterbacks will because of the amount of investment to fix that. But eventually the Buccaneers came to a point, you know, and, and uh, you know, I'll tell you, like, going into that last year that he was with the Bucs, like, mm-hmm. it was pretty much known well before it was public knowledge that he was no longer going to be the quarterback of that organization because he just wouldn't get over it. So for Sam Howell, you know, understand, like, it's, it's not – like, yes, we look at it and say he's young. So that, I don't say excuses, but it, it kind of allows you to accept that it happened. That being said, the investment in you is not there from a franchise level the way it is in a guy like Jameis Winston. This team has no, 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 no force, forcing mechanism to keep you in that position any longer than you show them that you need to be or that you deserve to be. So this has got to be a lesson you've got to learn now. And that's and that's something that EB also talked about too on the practice field that the lessons were were being shown. And that's the thing about this is like you can turn on other games like the Philadelphia Eagles game is, is but either the Philadelphia Eagles game is a prime example. Turn on that game, you see the Sam Howell that this team wants to see right now. Still a young quarterback, doesn't make every decision perfectly, but you see him make enough of them that his team is competitive. And that's what you need to get back to. So it's 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 almost a shorter leash, I would think, because you're not asking him to do something he's never done, like you right. were with Jameis. You're asking him to do something you know he's capable of doing. He's just got to get out of his own way, man. Like, like the intent is, is great. It's all there. But what he has to kind of understand as a leader of the team and as, as a quarterback of the team is your intention is good, but the understand the result is bad. And that's obviously the, the, the opposite of what you're trying to do here. Here's how you get back to making sure that your intent matches your production. And that's what – Again, that's what Jacoby did. Now, like the hard thing is here is like Jacoby did that and he hits the you know two deep shots to Terry McLaurin. Right. But it's not because he sat there and was like, I want this deep shot to Terry. No, he you know, pre-snap read, play call, whatever it is, whatever told Jacoby Terry's your first reader, your primary read, it was there. So he made the decision to deliver the ball. He didn't choose to bypass anything to get there. So, you know, again, those opportunities will come. Sam knows that. You know, he he's played a lot of successful football. He knows that the jabs lead to the hooks, lead to the uppercuts. You know what I mean? But uh, so it's just a matter of getting back to it. And, and, you know, um, when Jameis left the Buccaneers, I really thought, like, you know, he loses the starting job. He has to sit, you know, off off the football field for a while. Eventually he's going to get another opportunity because he is a Heisman winning first-round pick quarterback. He's going to get another opportunity somewhere. And if he learns from losing the game a little bit, which ironically enough is exactly what he said when he got to go back on the field for the Saints, he said – Having it taken away from me made me smarter. Yep. Unfortunately, it didn't. You know what I mean? And that's, <laughs> and that's just part of who Jameis right. is on the football field. And, that's, and, you know, again, it's a reason you love him sometimes. It's a reason you can't make him your franchise quarterback. But for Sam, you know, it's, it's not so much about just losing it, I would say. It's more so just, hey, bro, take a step back. You know what to do. Like, you know what you're right. doing wrong. Now look at Jacoby doing it and doing it the right way and the production that he's getting out of it. You can do this, too. And I think the great thing about it is observational learning, right? I actually did this. I actually kind of broke this down on my, my episode today for Locked On Commanders. Observational learning has like five pillars that have to be secure. You know, the more pillars you have in place, the better observational learning works. And, you know, they, I can't I don't know if I can remember all them off the top of my head, but it comes down to the learner. You're like, so Sam is the observational learner here, right? So the five pillars, you got to have somebody that he respects, somebody that's trusted in the area or the field. Um, is doing something that he wants to do. 
uh, and another one is is uh, is capable of of delivering the lesson. Uh, uh, I won't say you know uh, calmly, but like delivering the message like a parent would or like a teacher would. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, not like a drill sergeant would, but like someone who really wants to take care of you. And I go back to Jacoby Brissett in the locker room, and he gets asked by one of us, "Hey, Sam Howell gets benched. What do you tell him after that experience?" And he says, "I wouldn't say Sam got benched. He got pulled. He right. didn't get benched. He got pulled to get ready for next week." And Jacoby is an NFL quarterback. Sam respects the crap out of him. He's been doing this. He just did it in front of him. He's an expert in the field. And Jacoby is the kind of veteran backup who is then going to help Sam absorb the lessons without hardship. You know what I mean? He's going to allow him the opportunity to feel bad a little bit, but then also learn from it. So when you talk about observational learning, it really is a prime opportunity for Sam to benefit from doing just that. David, I'll let you go on this, my friend. I'll put you right back on the hot seat. We sit here on December 22nd, 2023. There's three weeks left to go in the season. With the data you have right now, Washington slated to pick four, fourth overall if the season ended today. Would mm-hmm. you be drafting a quarterback if one was available for you at four? No, I wouldn't. And um, part of that has to do with Sam, but most of it has to do with the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Like, to me right now, and then, you know, free agency has a big, big role. But if you're looking at the roster as it is right now, the free agency team is going to lose. The players they are going to retain that are already under contract. If you put a rookie quarterback on this team and you spend your first round pick doing that, you're bypassing offensive linemen, you're bypassing other receivers, you're bypassing defensive contributors. Yeah. If you do that, you're looking at a couple of steps above what Bryce Young is going through with the Carolina Panthers. Mm. Strong stuff, David. I appreciate you. Give me some time, as always. Enjoy the holiday season, my friend. We will talk soon. Yes, sir. That is David Harrison, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at dharrison82. And check out the Locked On Commanders podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's on YouTube as well uh, in video form if you want to get eyes on my old pal, David Harrison. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, got to get back on track with the clock here, man. Whoa, I completely blew it out. Jeremy Fowler, ESPN NFL insider. Had a notebook that he did for week 16, and he talked about potential veterans that could be on the move this offseason like Jalen Ramsey was last offseason. There's a certain Washington commander that he listed. I'll tell you who next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.